0: what's going on guys welcome back to another episode of coffee and van chats my name is john Kroom, and this is the out of collective um i'm trying something new here i'm trying a new intro instead of saying it's brought to you by the out of collective i want to let you guys know i'm a part of the out of collective and if you don't know what the out of collective is go to www.outofcollective.com. uh there's three other cool badass podcasts on there the pursuit the out of bounds podcast as well as, um, big stick energy. Um, so be sure to go check them out. And, uh, yeah, I just want to show them some love cause I'm super thankful that they've brought me into their little collective. And, uh, yeah. Anyways, guys, if you haven't already, please make sure you go check out the merch store as well. Uh, we got coffee mugs and all that cool stuff hanging out in there. I will also be announcing the winner from the last podcast here shortly in the next few days. Uh, I just drove 22 hours to South Carolina. I was escaping the Colorado weather and um, yeah I just needed a little bit of little bit of sun in my life. So I'm here in South Carolina. If you're in South Carolina, shoot me a DM. Let's go for a ride. Let's do something cool. Um, I'm going to try to go bug Christian Vandeveld. So hopefully you're listening to this Christian because we're going to go ride. We're going to go hang out and um, yeah, do some cool, crazy things. But anyways, <clears throat> let's dive into this week's episode. And that is with Kiel Reinen. I'm really stoked about this episode because we really don't talk about anything in the world tour that he did really we just talk about life and it's just two dudes who sit down talk about life talk about the sport of cycling how he found himself in the sport of cycling who kill Ryan is and yeah we just we legit just have fun and i i hope i get to have him on the podcast again because we literally did not spend enough time just chatting and hanging out but anyways Let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. But first, let's hear a quick message from the sponsor. And back for another week is Spot. Guys, I talk about Spot week after week. You've heard about it before. Spot covers your medical bills up to $20,000 each time you get injured. Spot will cover your actual out-of-pocket costs. Instead of a fixed fee in a world where people are under and uninsured with sky high deductibles, spot fills that gap that is sorely lacking in the outdoor space spot has no deductible and is a monthly subscription can be canceled at any time spot works with whether you have health insurance or not while spot works with and covers a lot of cyclists and mountain bikers spot policies cover you 24 seven worldwide. Whether you're ripping a crit skiing a black diamond, chopping up food in your kitchen, Or even climbing Mount Everest. Guys, SPOT is partnering with ski resorts. SPOT is partnering with organizations like USA Cycling and Bike Ridge. Literally, they're making it easy to just be protected. We do dumb shit. (laughs) So make sure that you're protected and make sure that you have SPOT on your side. Also back for another episode is Twisted Spoke. Guys, they make some of the best CBD out there. Um, I took some of their... uh, CBN tincture last night so I could sleep in the van with my dog. It was a rough time, but um, the CBD actually did help me go to sleep and have a good sleep for that matter. So go check them out at TwistedSpokeCBD.com or walk into your local bike shop or your local retailer and say, hey, I want some Twisted Spoke in my life and they'll make that shit happen. So go ask them to get some Twisted Spoke CBD in their bike shop so they can get you dialed. New sponsor for the week is Function Wear. Guys, they are made in Colorado, but they make some of the dopest, coolest face masks on the market, baliclavas, neck gaiters, you name it. Go check them out at functionwear.com. I'll put a link down in the description below. That's Function with a PH, Function Wear. Um, Also, they're here to protect our winners. They have some pretty philanthropic missions um into protecting our winters as well as working with the High Five Foundation which I'll also put down in a link in the description below but anyways they have this Youth Tempest Thermal Baliklava which is like a sailor beard it's pretty badass but yeah and the gummy worms um you name it but um goggle covers I I can just go on for days so anyways go check them out at functionwear.com that's functionwear.com that's p h u n k s-h-u-n com. also put a link in the description below but other than that guys that's the sponsors for the week let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode what's going on guys welcome back to another episode of coffee and van chats on the out of collective Uh, i'm sitting here with keel ryan and and we were just joking about how he had a perfect out he had, he had one opportunity to just retire, hang up his bike, be a normal dude, but instead he went the privateer route like every other cool dude does nowadays. So anyways, Kill, how you just doing, man? Cheap. I'm just following the herd, man. <laughs> yeah. Just follow the herd, man. Well, Hey, who knows? You're probably making more money doing, doing privateering than you were in the world tour. I don't know. You know, it's a pretty crazy world out there right now i you know the
1: biggest expectation i had for this version was that i was going to be like more relaxed and oh man it's not it could not be any further from the truth i feel like i'm getting pulled in 17 different directions at once and it's like i deserve it (laughs) because i spent like you know a decade and a half as a, a selfish professional athlete with the world revolving around me and said like this is this is payback but uh i yeah i'm still figuring out how to juggle Um, and and do the balancing act. And I've got a lot more respect. And also I can relate a lot more to all those like nine to fivers and hardworking parents out there um, because now I'm I'm just one of them. Uh, But I, I'm also really grateful for the opportunity to to give this path a try. And I, I, I'm looking forward to what it, it brings
0: no, it's, it's a sick thing to do. And I had this conversation with my wife the other day. Cause I, and actually if anybody from my team is listening, so I had to start a UCI trade team and to, so I could go to world cups on the track and whatever else. And my wife looks at me and she's like, why didn't you just start it for yourself? Like you could easily just worried about yourself. Now you gotta worry about eight yeah. other dudes. And I was just like, well, that's not how it works, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing for you. It's like, it's like, well, now I gotta book my own flights. Now I gotta register myself. Yep. I gotta pick up my numbers. Uh, I gotta wash my bibs. I gotta fill my bottles, and it's a weird life, man. And even Pete Stetna, like he, I think it's an outside looking in kind of thing. He's got big tall Wayne, but he, he does a lot of hustling on. I his I connected
1: own. those two for the record
0: yeah yeah <laughs> well there you go you there you, oh yeah that's right I've, I've he actually told me that in the in the podcast that i did with him yeah. so there you go you lost your one only mechanic know, that you probably could have had
1: <laughs> uh, yeah so now now i just have to rely on myself which is a bummer right because when things go wrong you get nobody to blame nobody yeah yourself.
0: dude well so
1: I, I hold on i do have one yeah beef to pick real quick here there is neither a van nor coffee involved hmm. Well,
0: easy okay. easy we got yeah. we got the coffee. you
1: picked up the coffee as I
0: said that absolutely absolutely did that on purpose that was fully really perfectly timed but yeah so this whole podcast started in in my van with, during COVID because I was going to vlog um to to save my cycling career when I didn't make it to the Olympics and um yeah then COVID hit and I was like well there goes my cycling career for sure <laughs> and then I then I started then I started this podcast and it's crazy. All you pro cyclists are don't even know who I am and you're willing to jump on the podcast. So it makes my life really easy. <laughs>
1: I think like there's gonna be a lot of honesty in this recording.
0: Oh, absolutely, dude. I I don't lie, I don't bullshit. And so yeah, that's like that's, that's the way we work. Um but anyways, dude, tell me a little bit about you because like I I actually don't know too much about you, but I do know that you tried to come try out for the track and I missed that camp. I, so I, I heard did. the stories, but yeah, I don't I, I don't know much about you.
1: I did do that. Uh I I think the reason that you, people pick up the phone and our and game to come on here is because, at the end of the day, like this is a, this is a community. And yeah. I've re- relied on the cycling community tons throughout my, my career. Um, and I probably rely on it even more after it. And so, if we're not here for each other, then what are we doing? So, for
0: sure, man. No, that's super cool.
1: Yeah. I, um, I think it's great that we all get to connect just, just cause we ride bikes. It's, and, it and I pretty, saw that on the team too, dope, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. even on, you know, big world tour team, the mechanics, the, the swaniers, the directors, like they, everyone's there cause they, they love riding bikes that's, that's yeah. like how they got into it. So that, that shared, you know, uh, love is, is what keeps us all together. So keep that moving, keep that going. I uh, hope everybody gets to participate in it. Uh, and, and,
0: We like, well, now that you've said that, now that you said that, I have to bring this up. So I reached out to Andre Greipel and, uh, his response to me was, I'm not interested. Uh, you should probably lead with how big your podcast is Andre Greipel. (laughs) Okay. I still have the email. It's savage because I thought like I had like an, I like kind of know Greg Henderson, cause he coached the men's track program for yeah, a while. Yeah. And he talked about how nice the guy was. And I was like, yeah. oh fuck. Yeah. Like I'll just shoot him a message and see what he yeah. says. And that's, that's the response I got. So that's me putting myself on blast on my own podcast.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, it's weird. Cause like on one hand, I want to say good for him for not just like ghosting. You know, like, yeah, he I mean, responded. Th- that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, Like he took the time to say no, but yeah. on the other hand, like get over yourself, man.
0: Yeah, uh, like it was pretty, Alex it was pretty, it, it was pretty savage. I was like, cause I was like, I didn't know if I, w- I was embarrassed. Cause I was like, man, damn, that was a bit harsh. But then I was like, well, he did respond. So that he means he opened yeah. my email. So yeah. uh, uh,
1: have you, have you talked to Alex house by chance?
0: No, I've been trying to get him on. We did a, we did a commercial together, a commercial for USA yeah. cycling as national champions. Oh wow! And, uh, that's the really? only time I've ever talked to him.
1: He slapped <laughs> Andre Greipel. So you can ask him about that.
0: He did what? <laughs> he slapped Oh yeah, him? no, yeah,
1: you definitely heard me correctly. Yeah. Dude, there's all right. a story there. Alex. I'm not if gonna you, tell it. It's on yeah, my story.
0: Yeah, I need to get that story <laughs> on. But anyways, now we need to tell your story. Cause I need to I need to get to know you a little bit because I think what's really cool about the space and the sport is, and this is what this podcast is for. Um, is the ath- like the person behind the athlete, right? And so <clears throat> So who are you, like, how did you find yourself in cycling? And yeah, now, I mean, you're still here in cycling, even retired.
1: Yeah, uh, people first, um, like we are all riders, but we were people before we were riders. We were yeah, for sure. We were riders. So uh, big, big believer in, yeah, just, um, you know, being human, cause we that's what we do. Uh, yeah. I, <sighs> It's really surprising that i ended up where i am because uh on the island there's not a you know it's not like there's a road cycling league um, but we happen to have a really cool bike shop and the mechanic there who's now the owner he saw me riding around to growing practice and uh other you know like to school and um and he thought well maybe we can drag him over a crate in seattle and see if he likes it. So uh he convinced my buddy and I to go over there and and we raced the Seward Park crit, which still exists, same organizer, same vibe, everything, which I love. I love going over there and having nothing different. Yeah. Uh and and I was hooked. And so I I started racing road and I I made a lot of friends um road racing. I, I had a great time on the teams that I raced for. But I I also recognized that I had to be a certain version of myself, I guess, to fit in. So part of this next foray for me is just doing it my way and we get the chance to do that because like gravel right now at least is pretty uniquely american and it's so it's it's on our terms our turf and it gets to be our version and instead of having to be um you know assimilating and speaking a different language eating different food uh, i get to do it you know it's familiar to me yeah so i'm very excited about that uh and, I, and I'm also excited about having more sort of relatable experiences. So, I, you know, like being a dad, um, working a second job, uh, fitting and training when I can. Like those are things that most people experience. And so, you know, like now when I show up to a gravel race or event or ride, I can I can share those stories with people and they get it and yeah, you know, we can all relate. And it's it's a lot harder when you're like, oh yeah, stage five of the Dauphiné, like it, you know. We like raced through this valley and then guys went like lightning bolts up the climb and dropped me and then you know went back to the chalet that I don't remember the name of and got a massage and the chef cooked dinner. <laughs> Nobody relates to that. Because, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not a relatable experience. So yeah. Um I'm excited for for that part of this. Uh and yeah, my name's Keel. I grew up on an island. Uh I love sailing, fishing, crabbing. Um I'm a product of the the place where I was born and raised and I live about a quarter of a mile if even from the house I grew up in.
0: No nah, dude, that's insane. So did you because you know, I, I've had some friends going to the world tour and luckily with the, the track, there's some crossover and it's one it's one or the other. There's either this like sense of homesick and like get me the fuck out of Europe immediately. Or like, hey, I don't want to go back. Like, Majorca is my jam, you know, or mm-hmm. wherever there's Andorra, like wherever they're living at that time. So what was it like for you? Because I think it was it, I think it's Ian Stannard. Like, he doesn't leave Wales. And I th- but part of that is because, one, that's his home. He loves it. But also he's training for the classics. So for you, I mean, where you live, it's like not the worst cycling um in the world, but it's also yeah. not warm in the winter, like plugging in 25, 30 hour weeks is tough. Yeah, over there.
1: yeah, I, I definitely did um, a lot of really dumb rides in the rain, <laughs> but
0: yeah, the terrain itself is, is not
1: bad and, and the weather is certainly conducive to the classics, but certainly not a place that, that the average pro would look at, Be like, yeah, I could live here and yeah. do my thing. Uh, I was definitely one of those people that went to Europe and, and struggled, um, to feel comfortable. And yeah. so I saw how that held me back at times in my career, that, that inability to sort of assimilate more. And I was sometimes envious of guys who were really able to, uh, but later I came to terms with the fact that like, uh, again, like I'm not just from here, I, I'm of this place. And so it's, it's importance is, um, it's great, and and it. I feel different when I'm here. The air is yeah. different. I I am more myself, and I I also really appreciated like stepping outside of the cycling bubble. It's everybody knows me on the island because I grew up here, not because I ride bikes.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's super refreshing. Yeah,
1: and I live for um in Boulder for a bit uh because I went to college out there, and yeah, and that's where I started racing. Um, I mean, I got into it before I left to go to Boulder, but that's when I got more serious and. I, I'm really glad for the years that I I had there, but I also, I could feel like I was inside that bubble all the time. Same with especially
0: in Boulder, man. I mean, that's like America's Girona. Like, I mean, in in some regard, I mean like for every McDonald's, there's a bike shop, you know, that's, what's crazy about Boulder. It's like, you can all the, all those places, like all the warehouses and stuff are in Boulder really. So it gets overwhelming Yeah,
1: going from the race to, you know, I've seen all the same people that you saw at the race yeah. At the coffee shop. And, and so I,
0: was your wife living with you at the times that you were like bouncing all over the place?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We met in Boulder. Uh, okay. I, I did my first season over in Europe kind of solo, uh, cause she had stuff going on in the U S and that was, um, a tough season for me for a lot of other reasons. And then we sort of decided after that, we, we do it together and, and I look at my career that way, you know, it was ours. It, it wasn't just mine. And yeah.
0: So, well, it kind of has to be, unfortunately. I mean, yeah. And I, I say that I say, unfortunately, because you, you, you have to be a selfish person. So everybody around you has to cater to kind of what yeah. you're doing.
1: And there's an opportunity part. cost there.
0: Yeah, for you know, sure. Like Who knows
1: what she would have been able to achieve if she wasn't, you know, busy having a world revolver on mine.
0: Yeah. Uh, so what's it? So what's it like? So what do you do for work now? Because you have, you now have a second job, and and this is something because I started cycling late. I started at like eighteen or so. So like I I was able to talk to girls, and I think you started kind of late too, though. Yeah, yeah, and like the pro 16. stuff. Yeah, so like and yeah, and
1: pro I definitely was a late. Bloomer. But
0: I was like easing into the cycle Like my friends were that were around my age, kind of were like guys that were on BMC. I guess it was BMC. At the time, which was now Hing, Cappy, Hollowesca, which is now no longer. Um, but I remember, like, they couldn't talk to people really. Um, they had this, like, they always, they always had these shitty mullets. And I was a Cat Four cyclist at the time, so they would have these like shitty mullets, and I didn't understand that either. And then they would have jorts on, and I was like, man, what's the style? And I was like, oh, it's they're trying to mimic this like European. Mm-hmm. Kermes lifestyle, but then they're also depressed as fuck and they don't know if they're going to get <laughs> signed. And so this like this, this counter thing. Cause then I would be like, yo, let's go to this party at this college. You know, I'm a cat for him. Fuck. You know? And they're just like, oh no, I can't, I can't. And I'm reading through like their training programs and stuff. And I'm just like, man, you guys have no lives, but they started when they were so young. So yeah. what was it like for you? Like, I guess in that start, because another thing that I want to get to is the transition. Like when people, even younger than you, when, when they get, or even your age, actually, it's just as hard as when they stop racing. It's like, now what you've spent all this time only thinking about bikes. Now what? Yeah. Which is,
1: I think why a lot of people are ending up down the path that I'm on right now. It's like, this is what, you know, uh, I hope I feel like that's not my reason for doing this, but I I think that it certainly is contributing factor for many and and possibly myself so uh, i think i i did come in a, a little bit later uh which i think helped give me some important perspective but i am an all or nothing kind of personality sure. and so like when i when i lashed on I, I i was all in i rode crew before i got into cycling and i was pretty serious about that too that was my first olympic dream was was rowing and yeah uh you know this body wasn't going to make it yeah, <laughs> too yeah. tiny. Yeah. I just, yeah. even for a lightweight crew, it was, it wasn't going to happen. So I found something I was better at and I, I ran with it and I went all in and i S I've spent a lot of time over the years thinking like, did I have to do that to end up where I ended up, you know, like yeah. if I hadn't gone all in, then maybe I wouldn't have made it as far as I did. And part of me wonders, man, maybe I just took it too serious the whole time. And I, I should have taken my foot off the gas. 'Cause I, I definitely missed out on a lot of experiences. You know, there were times in, in college and um in high school where I just yeah, I, I didn't go do that thing or hang out with those people because I was too focused on the mission at hand.
0: Yeah. But I recognized it
1: in myself too that if it wasn't cycling, it was gonna be something else.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think it's uh life's a funny thing, right? Like it's um you know, you can always play the "what if" game. Like, what if I yeah. just would have done this, and what if I would have just done that? And it's like, well, fuck, man. What if you would have just gone in all in on track from the gun? There's not a lot of track riders. Like, what if I just been more talented? There you Thank go. You. What if? What if? you What if you would have just been lighter? What if your shoulders were just a little bit more narrow? Like, it's this whole thing, right? It's what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. And so, um, you know, the regret thing, you know, because that was kind of going to be my next thing. Is like, do you think there's something that you missed or you regret in a part of your career, or like? um, that you, if, if you could go back in time, would you change anything about your cycling career?
1: Very little. And I I wouldn't have said that when I was younger, I I got really frustrated. I I wanted to make progress faster. And I think, frankly, I was physically, I was just a late bloomer and it it took time. And looking back now, my time on jelly belly, um, was, and, and UHC, like those were teams where I learned a lot, not just, you know, as a rider, but I learned a lot about, the, the game like at Jelly Belly. I learned to appreciate what I got because it was a low budget, small continental team. And I was grateful for the opportunity. And I took that forward with me, you know, when I was on a big team, I still felt grateful for yeah. that new bike and those that pair of shorts and the extra jerseys we got. And I think a lot of young kids who are going straight to those big teams, they don't have that perspective for sure. And UHC had a really interesting sponsorship model. They spent a lot of time and energy and money basically quantifying their value for sponsors and that made it really sustainable. And so like, I brought that sort of mentality with me as well. And so when the video cameras showed up and and the sponsors asked, asked for extracurricular uh, activities and energy from us as riders, it was an easy yes for me because I saw how effective it was as a, as a tool for the team. Yeah. So I, I definitely don't um, regret the time it took me to make those, those steps, like that was um, that was for the better. And I think looking back at my, my career in general, I mean, the one thing that I really wanted to do that I I didn't is go to the Olympics. Yeah. And I don't know what I could have done differently to make that happen. Maybe some things and, and maybe it just wasn't going to be an option. So I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it.
0: I mean when it comes down to it though i mean road selection for the olympics is fucking like i thought tracks complicated like with you guys i mean it's course variant like they're dictating who's going to do well on said course every four years and we get two guys (laughs) yeah and so it's it's and they're time trial heavy usually um so if you're not a, a
1: terrible time trialist, there
0: guy. you go so it's it's one of those things where it's like well you know and i think japan that was pretty it was, it was a climby race right like i mean yeah. it was like yeah, it was four, gonna four go four thousand
1: something meters climbing yeah it's, so
0: it's like at that point you know the sprinters are kind of off the table and yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's actually pretty crazy to think about. So they, like literally the best, our best results are gonna come from the time trial or I guess, you know, now with SEPCUS and I mean, shit with the, the talent that's coming up through the pipeline now. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't <laughs> knows? Yeah, knows anymore, I'm out of yeah, the game. Yeah, that's that's actually insane. But anyways, um, that all being said, um, so yeah, what, what do you do now? I guess is, I don't know, did we answer that question? Like. What like yeah, I know you're so, doing the privateering, but you you have a second job, right?
1: Yeah, kind of a hybrid. Uh, I mean, I am um, I am gravel racing. I'll do a bit of mountain bike racing as well. Um, I'm doing it for for Trek and SRAM um, and Castelli and Gene Johnson. Those are my my four
0: main yeah and sponsors. Gene, and the Gene Johnson one because we all know about the cool those stuff. Yeah. Um, Gene Johnson though, I actually looked into this. It's like a club.
1: Yes, it is. Uh, yeah. So there's a bigger story there, and and part of that has to do with one of the the promises I made to myself when I got to this point in my career, which is get back to that cycling community. So awesome, uh, man! I have a friend who yeah, started a club, um, and part of this sponsorship with Gene Johnson is about me um, working in sort of a mentorship role with that club. So they have a Devo team, an elite team, a traveling team, and then a, and a big big club team and their mission is like inclusivity, get people on bikes, get people excited about bikes, make it cool, make it fun. And that's that's part of that vibe I want to gravitate towards and, and yeah. be part of. So very excited for that opportunity. I went down and did a training camp in California um with their elite squad and their Devo squad. And it was just a great experience because they're great people. They are all people cool, I want to wow. hang out with and talk to and and learn from. And you know I, I was there to impart knowledge but I learned a lot from them and uh so yeah it's and it's cool to see you know just grassroots cycling growing in, in the area that you're from so very important to me um and it's yeah it's certainly unique that like i'm r- racing around the nation and, and g johnson is obviously like a regional uh, company but i think it's really cool that they they took a risk on it and um, i'm i'm excited to represent them and
0: no and i i thought it was interesting too because i saw it pop up And then I clicked on it and I started looking at it and I was like, Oh shit, this is just like any other club team that you would have in your your local neighborhood or your like your local shop would be like, Yeah, reach out to Gene Johnson and these guys and they'll you know, they can get you on the club fifty bucks or whatever and you know, you Which is how
1: most of us got started. Exactly. And I think that's what's cool.
0: And I think that's what's cool is that you're almost doing a full circle but you're taking everything that you've learned in your life and you're giving and you're just you're pouring it in and to where you're sitting here saying yeah i guess you know when i was younger like i wish it would have happened faster but you might make three junior careers happen faster or some of those elite careers just have that turnover you know what i mean um, so that's cool. I like that. Um, and so tell us a little bit, like, tell us a little bit about the club of like, if somebody wanted to go check that out, where is that stuff? Like, is it pretty open? Like, can anybody yeah, just sign yeah. up for the club? Yeah, cool. absolutely.
1: It is exactly that it's, it's the, the hit them up, um, you know, get a Jersey and show up to the local group ride, uh, They do a big yeah. Saturday ride, uh, in Seattle. And, um, they, they've got a website all set up and you can contact them through the website and the elite squad is, um, the zoom squad and uh, sponsored by zoom train and it's yeah there's just a lot of really great great people involved and it's it's just been growing exponentially the last couple of years over
0: in seattle so yeah i'll put the descriptions uh, the links in the description below see that's that's one thing that cycling is missing like when when i got into cycling if i showed up in like a Hing cappy jersey and i wasn't on the Hing cappy team i would have gotten made fun of right and like that's dumb to me. Like I don't that that shit doesn't process with me because I come from a football and wrestling background, and like, dude, Tom Brady. well, back in, like when I was watching football, it's like Jerome Bettis. Like that was my right. that was my hero. And so we I'd wear his jersey and I'd play football the whole time, like in that jersey. But like, I think that's what the sport is missing. Is the the sport is missing the fans and the club that can join this elite squad or join this elite level program and pro program and not get made fun of for it. And they, hell, hell, we got shitty people in the sport, so there might still be people that'll make fun of you, but hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I
1: remember being, you know, like when I was living in Boulder, and I, you know, um, I came back. Well, let's see, no, I guess I was, yeah, living in Boulder, I signed my, my contract with Jelly Belly, and thinking, like, that would be so cool riding around town now with a Jelly Belly kit because i'm actually on jelly belly not because i went out and got one
0: yeah yeah and then
1: <laughs> i remember at some coffee shop or somebody uh, or something somebody asked me you like oh you know where, where'd you get the jelly belly kit yeah and i, <laughs> I realized that yeah. like, at that moment like, this is not even worth explaining like this is so it's stupid. not it's, like, so it's so dumb
0: i had the national i had the national championship kit on and i had a guy at a coffee shop go hey you know you need to be a national champion to wear that jersey right <laughs> and i said valid <laughs> that's all i could yep, say valid. like what you- yeah. like cuz the title that i had at the time it was in the kilo and so i was just out on right. a road ride like, i never get to wear that jersey yeah. yeah no it's so dumb but i went with somebody gave it to me Somebody gave it to me, But <laughs> then but then they see you like because they go watch you know whatever tour Colorado, and then you're just like at the start line. They're like, "Shit, that's the <laughs> yeah,
1: that's what you hope happens." But you hope that happens. Hope I have that, that same feeling about trying to describe the Vuelta because you know you'd say like, "Oh, yeah, I'm a cyclist," and people are like, "Oh, like the Tour de France," you'd be like. Well, actually, oh, I think, yeah, I haven't done the Tour de France. I've done the Vuelta, which is a similar style, you know, setup. It's yeah. three weeks. It's in Spain. It's very hilly. Uh, same, a lot of the same competitor. It's like, Nobody cares.
0: Yeah, nobody cares. Yeah. You
1: know,
0: well, I started doing that too. So, my wife, when we go to weddings and stuff now, um, my wife was like, "Yeah, you should just tell them." Like, because nine times out of ten, when I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a professional cyclist," they're like, "Oh, really? So, like, you've done the Tour de France?" And I'm just like, "I used to like have to explain, like, no, yeah. like, I do this, I do that." Now I just say, "Yep." Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause it's just like, I'm so far away from that race that it's going so to be, are like, they. Late to, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, like it's, it's, yeah. Absolutely. It's just going to be that one day that actually somebody does care and they're like, yeah, we need to sit down and talk. And I'm like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. You know? <laughs> <was> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. And so, but, uh, but anyways, man, no, that's super cool. And, and I don't want to keep you all day. I know you got, I know you got toads of stuff, but we, we always ask this question on the podcast. Cause I think it's a really interesting, uh, question. But if you could have a cup of coffee with one individual, and I'm gonna put you on the spot, because if you ever get this opportunity, you're not gonna have a lot of time to answer this question. If you could have a cup of coffee with one individual, dead or alive, who would that individual be, and why? And then how would you take your coffee? And if you don't drink coffee, you can do beer, scotch, whatever, water, I don't care. Just your beverage of choice.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I'm generally a, a Chemex in the morning, with some a little bit of half and half. Uh, sweet, sweet. so i'd stick with my my program because kids keep it. i got yeah. two kids which <laughs> allow one cup of coffee for each kid in the morning and, that's
0: awesome uh,
1: yeah and it's it's a way of survival yeah, yeah so that part no question uh who i would meet is definitely a tough one i <sighs>
0: I know I make it pretty hard because you can even go you can go into the grave for this one. Yeah, if you can start you can start, grave, you can start, start pulling up people up. Bro. Or his
1: box. It's yeah. Really. Yeah. That's a tough one. I um. There's, man. Wow, that, that is, there's just so many things coming to mind. I'm reading this book right now. Um, yeah uh about uh fungal networks and like talking to to anybody who's written books you know like in that arena um or also like brain mapping that kind of stuff yeah any one of those individuals would be uh super radical to talk to
0: yeah uh
1: but that you know there's a dozen of them yeah for sure if i had just picked one I think, actually, I'm going I'm, uh, to, this is, this is only pertinent because I'm reading it right now. That's okay. And, and, and so see, like this is the point of maybe it. Maybe i would regret it later. Yeah. Uh, and I actually, I don't physically have the book with me, which means I, I'm not going to remember her name. I'd have to look it up when I get home. It starts with an M. Uh-huh. Uh, but she, she wrote The Curve of Time. And she was the mother of five children. Uh, husband passed away uh, pretty shortly thereafter. And so she raised these kids on her own. She had a house on Vancouver Island. And every summer she would take her kids up the Inside Passage, uh, which is something that I will do with my kids. Yeah. And uh, she was just like so intrepid. You know, she would do it. On, it was like a 20 foot boat, um, a little uh, like power sailor. Uh-huh. And this was in the 1920s, right? So wow. there was like no infrastructure up there at all. All was was like abandoned, you know, uh, longhouses, like old cedar longhouses, and like a little bit from the um, lumber industry, you know, like they'd have the, the old skid roads and stuff yeah, like yeah. that for when they were logging. So I mean, just nothing. And like she's sharing the space with bears, and you know. See, like, just the, the way she describes to all these like crazy, you know, like Louisa Inlet. It's these are like five thousand foot cliffs that go straight, they plunge straight into the water and go another five thousand feet down under the. That's water. insane. That's, there's there's just there's all kinds of danger up there, you know, with the tides and and. How know, long
0: does it take to do a trip like that?
1: You could rip up the inside passage in a week if you were like going wow. through the night, just
0: pushing. So in the 1920s, though. They have to, that has to take three months, yeah. three months. Wow. Yeah.
1: And, and she was just so willing to like get out there and do it with those kids. And I think I've, I've spent a lot more time thinking about it lately because as a parent, I, um, I'm struggling with the, like, just go and do it because it's so much easier to not
0: yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah.
1: pack up all the yeah. bags and all the stuff yeah. and you throw it in the car, you do the drive, the kid throws up. You're, you're, like, <laughs> you're just like, why did we even try? And, yeah. and here she is, you know, five kids, and she's like, "Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna cruise up there." And then I
0: can just, just picture and like, be like, "Damn it, mom!" <laughs> it's, uh, man, it's, it's three buds. So it's
1: like yeah. uh, I'm I'm embarrassed. I don't remember her name
0: from yeah, movie, but no, it's uh, fine. I think, but I think that's what makes it this kind of cool and kind of special, though. Like that's that's an that's actually one of our most interesting answers, um, because so it's something that you want to do. With your it's children. something.
1: It's something I want to do with my kids, but I also want to understand her state of mind. Like, why was she so willing to go out and do something so uncomfortable? Yeah. Right. Like, was she did it just not make her that uncomfortable? Like, was she just tougher than I am, or or was it really difficult? And she thought she saw value in it anyway. So, wow. just getting to chat with her about that that experience and and sort of why um, I think and I learned more from that than I would from a lot of textbooks.
0: No, yeah. No, I th- I think people are the best textbooks, man. They the stories that people have and the life experiences you can learn a lot. So no The book Kiel. is
1: Curve of Time. Curve of Time. Remember the yeah. author. I'll also
0: put a link in the description below and I'll look up the author and um make sure that I, I type the author's name in the description. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but anyways, guys, thanks so much for listening. Kiel, dude, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I, I really appreciate it, man. This has been awesome. It's good to meet you. Um, And, you know, I've um, seen you around. And, yeah, like I said, I, I heard about you coming to the track camps and stuff. Couldn't make it to that one. But, uh, but yeah, thanks so much, guys. Um, all the links to the social media, uh, the club, and the book will be down in the description below. Other than that, we'll see you next time. Peace. Thanks a lot for
1: having me.